Hi everybody, Rob from the Hooked On podcast, How To Be Great here. Look, we enjoy doing what we do, for the love of it, it's wrestling, enjoy it, remember? But if you do feel like dropping us a few quid to help us out, be our guest. We don't expect it, but we will appreciate it. Thanks ever so much for your support. Don't forget, it's wrestling, enjoy it. podcast i'm robin nickel very happy to be back with you after a short delay between podcasts and it's all because uh, my good friend and colleague paul benson was selfish enough to go away on holiday but he is back paul how you doing i'm okay rob thank you very much very sad to be back in the doom and gloom of england i've had to put the peter coladas and the lilos away and get back some serious business but at least a bit of hooked on podcasting will cheer me up somewhat you're such a stereotype remember it's the road to Wrestlemania not the flight to Lanzarote on the uh, on that road but I'm, I'm glad you're back and uh, suitably refreshed um, we've got someone we're very happy to have with us on the uh, the podcast today not only is he uh, going to be an excellent guest but also he is now part of Team Hooked on Wrestling which I'm delighted to say that uh, ladies and gentlemen please welcome Doug Williams Doug how are you doing? Hello gents, I'm doing very well hello to all the listeners as well I should say hello to them shouldn't I and Paul of course um I'm doing very well, thanks. Yeah, not too bad at all. Um, I'm just currently in Edinburgh, uh, post-show, relaxing in my uh, in my uh, service apartment that they've got me. It's very nice. Very nice indeed. So uh, who yeah. have you been uh, working for today, then? I work for a company um, called Discovery Wrestling. Uh, they're local promoters in, in Edinburgh. Um, I'm not sure. I think they run... I, I don't want to speculate. I think they run like seven or eight shows a year. Um, it was a good show. It was uh, it was it was like um, I'd say a bar, not a bar, but like you know people do these nightclub bar type settings. Mm-hmm. But it had like kind of a you know a, a gig hall to it, and um, I had about five hundred people squashed in there. Um, it was a great setup. Uh, I wrestled with a guy called uh, Aspin Faith, a Scottish guy. It was really really good. It was a good match. Really good. We're uh, we're hopefully during the uh, the course of this chat going to get into some uh, some British wrestling things, um, which okay. we've overlooked so far on the, on this podcast. It's been great to talk to you about it. But straight off the bat, there, the fact that with all due respect to Discovery Wrestling, I really don't mean this as a negative thing. I've not heard of them, but if it's okay. a com- if it's a company, they're out there and they've got 500 people. That's amazing. In the old days, there were times where even some of the bigger British companies would be so delighted with that. But now, relatively small, quite niche companies are getting 500 fans. That is excellent, isn't it? It is. I mean, you know, yeah. Even if you go back 10 years, the uh, expectation of a good show would be 300 people. I mm. think amongst wrestlers, you know, if they heard those 300 people, they'd be like, oh, good. Put, you know, put in the extra. You know, give it 110 percent tonight. <laughs> Um, but uh, nowadays, I think you know, 300 is kind of the average, and, 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 and expectations among wrestlers, if it, you know, it's 500 plus for a lot of places. Um, you know, it's four figures for an impressive show nowadays around the country, anywhere you go, um, which is which is great, you know, which is it's fantastic, isn't it? It's absolutely tremendous. I mean, I've I've seen you work all over the country in different places, and I know that you're the kind of person that would go out and try and have a great match anyway. But there must be a lot of yes, a lot of guys yes. that would say. Oh, there's only a couple of hundred in tonight. You know, let's not go full on. Or oh, there's a thousand in. Let's make it something. 
it must be a little bit more motivating for wrestlers if you know that there are so many people there, even you know, for, for wherever you're going. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, um, the crowd is what drives you, um, and the more people that are responding to what you do, uh, you know, the better, better for the performer. Um, I don't, I don't think really the aspect of what you does change, you know, changes greatly. I think that it just gives you that little bit of extra drive, you know, to 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 give the, you know, you know, show the appreciation for the fact that all these people turned up to watch you. Hmm. You know what I mean? You give them that little bit extra. It's not taking away from any. Any performances you have in front of fewer fans, you know what I mean. But you, you know, you can't help yourself. It's like anything, isn't it? Big shows demand big performances, unfortunately. Or I fortunately. Think so. I, yeah. Well, I think that would happen in, in sport. I mean, you would talk about, you yeah. know, if you're a footballer playing in front of, you know, a couple of thousand in League Two as opposed to playing in front of fifty thousand in the Premier League or in an FA Cup tie, you're gonna you're gonna change the way you are. Aren't they? So I don't see it be any different to uh, to any sort of performer. Um, just before no. we went on air, we were having a, a quick chat. Um, uh, just catching up, really. And uh, I know yeah. at one point Paul mentioned about um, about how things are starting to look. It's almost territorial, isn't it? The the, the British um, uh, wrestling you know, genre as it is right now is starting to resemble a little bit like the United States in the sort of 60s and 70s with the the territory system. But bear in mind, Britain would be you know not even half of one territory in the old um, US days. So the idea that we've got these um, companies popping around that are quite niche in terms of their geographical area, but still drawing so well. Um, have well, you ever, have you ever in, known a time like this? It's interesting you say that because really, if you go back to the days of joint promotions, you know the, the world of sport wrestling, they were local promoters who just who who, who for want of a better phrase, joined together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and although Dale Martins were the ones that had the TV contract, they obviously put it around around the other, so they helped all the areas out of the, com- of the country out. So the territories existed back then; they just had this singular motivating. Thing that, that, that kept them all working together, which was a TV contract, obviously. Sure. Um, now, yeah, obviously it's the same. You know, it's a similar situation. You have a promoter in this town, a promotion that a promoter in that town, um, and they all work, you know, with each other to some degree. I think. Um, I, from when I started in '92, when business was effectively almost dead in the country, um, up to the late '90s, it was more of a few promo- touring promoters who'd work all around the country. And they'd put on shows every single night, and you'd work a tour, three or four weeks for them, and then you'd stop and work for another. Now, it's much more splintered again. Now it's, this promoter runs this town, that promoter runs that town. So you're, you're working and networking with a, a, a lot more promoters than you would have 10 or 15 years ago, when you'd probably just stick to one. You know, that, that, I think that's the difference now. You have to, I don't know, hustle a little bit more to get the bookings. Um, Having said that, you know, if you, if you get to be a regular on, say, Progress, you're still getting whatever, um, 15, 20 shows a year out of, out of one promoter, which is not too bad, is it? So. No, not at all. No. It, it, it must benefit um, you and, and everyone else that's, that's working um, so much mm-hmm. before that, because you've got, you've got choice as well. I mean, you can, you, you know, you're perfectly entitled to turn down something if it doesn't suit you, and people are going to come after you and whatever, but because there's so many more running... Um, yeah. It feels like it will be a good um, sort of a virtuous circle. That the more people come, the more wrestlers are in work, the more people that want to go full time, and it will just keep on burgeoning. Hopefully. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. I think as, a, as a, you know, as we had a brief conversation before we went on air about um, now, because there's so many promoters, um, there's so much more talent about. Everyone's got some work, got a reason more about our work. You know, whereas 10 or 15 years ago, the number of slots available for working wrestlers was so much less. 
so it does it benefits the wrestlers it benefits the fans as well because they don't have to travel they can see decent quality shows in their local area on a monthly basis again you know now which is good which is a good thing you know and helps promoters build their fan base helps wrestlers get over because they become recognised even if it's within the local area but like you say it benefits everybody um, and where it goes from here well I don't know that's a difficult question isn't it it's a difficult difficult one to answer it is and you mentioned you mentioned <clears throat> progress just now progress are yeah. a, a good example in terms of one that started up reasonably recently I think it's about four or five years ago that, that, that they started and have, sure. have made it somewhere but they've done it on, on on the basis of having very few imports they've had a few here and there but they don't necessarily yeah. they, they certainly don't rely on um, bringing people in and our whole come and you know, have a couple of extra hundred seats in the in the venue because we're bringing in so and so. Now I know they have used um, yeah. Joe and Ricochet and a few others over over the piece, but generally speaking, their wrestlers are the stars and and other pr- promotions as well. I'm not just singling out Progress, but the fact that you know the British wrestlers are the stars and the imports are the the added attraction. Yeah. That's positive, isn't it? Because it means that we're doing it right. Yes, yeah, so I think that's just a reflection of the fact that talent is so much better nowadays than it has been previously. Talent, you know, talent. In England, in Britain, Great Britain, talent has generally been pretty good from a wrestling point of view. But what's caught up now, what everybody seems to get is their look and their gimmick and their character and how they work that into their matches. You know, the people that are that that are you know becoming names now in British wrestling have got all that sorted out. And there's a lot more guys coming up from you know the, the, up the ranks that are also identifying all of these factors that they need to be to be a successful wrestler now and it's working so much better um, you know like in the years before 10 or 15 years ago wrestlers, you know British wrestlers were always known for being good wrestlers but that's about it you know no one was really they never really recognised as being good characters or you know or, or looking in great shape but now people are getting it all together and it's it, it's a reflection of that that shows can be booked successfully and run successfully on the on the back of just domestic talent, and you know it's just because they look the part and they act the part, and everybody wants to see them. Most definitely, and hopefully we'll get a, a little bit more into the into that as, as this podcast goes on. I've already got myself okay. a bit carried away because I haven't given you the proper introduction, which was uh, the fact is um, you're now p- part of Team How, as we call it. So, uh, one right. of, in fact, Paul, I'll, I'll let you take up the story about uh, getting Doug on board. Yeah, well, um, obviously we've been running these events for a little while now, and we've had a fairly consistent crew of guys that we've used for host obviously Rob you, you've been on board since day one mm-hmm. um, we've used Ben Brown and we've used Steve Linsky as we all know um, and it's been a really successful thing but st- now we're starting to grow a bit I really wanted to sort of expand the reach and talk and get people involved who I knew already but also who were sort of had a bit of a following and a bit of a bit of a name of their own and the first person I thought of was Doug um, and he was, you know, obviously we've had dealings in the past, haven't we, Doug, when we were both with TNA, yeah. he sort of crossed yeah. paths, um, stayed in touch ever since, and then I think, if I remember rightly, you, were, you, you couldn't make it for the Rumble when we asked you. Um, so said, that, yeah, it came a bit late, that, but then as soon as I knew you were available for WrestleMania, I was like, yep, that's the man we need, so thank, thank you for accepting and thank you for helping us out, we really can't wait to have you on board. Right, another deep end in the main show of the year, you know. Right on, <laughs> right on top. Sink or swim, sink or swim. <laughs> yeah, there we I go. Think, right? I think you'll really enjoy Cardiff as well. I think, you know, okay. if you if you um, speak to a lot of the fans who and a lot of our guys who've seen multiple events, I think the Cardiff crowd has grown. Look, we started doing it at WrestleMania last year, and it was okay. just a handful of people there, but it's it's really taken off. Um, become the top party in that's top party in Wales actually. Uh, right. Crowd are cracking. They're really 
looking forward to seeing you there as well so it's going to be a, a bit of a buzzing night brilliant yeah no I'm looking forward to it it's, it's something different for me um, obviously in my advancing years uh, the chance for me to do things that are not bump based you know you know I mean if I can if I can contribute in other ways in the business um, then that, that benefits me as well as as, as, as everybody else so it's good it's, you know, I'm excited for it yeah, you say you don't have to take bumps. So the amount of people that come up and do the costume contest and think that I'm part of the set somehow, and they have to try and do a wrestling move on me, they're not going to try that on you, mate, are they? They, they might have a think they can have a go at me in London. There's no, no chance in Cardiff. Oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to suplex them or something. They'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> please, please don't. <laughs> yeah, we might need to sort out some insurance stuff on that one, Paul. Ahead of time, but hey, I'm safe. Don't worry. No, I'm never hurt anyone. That's true, actually. Your move like them. <laughs> Of anyone I would trust to do it. Um, on that, actually, I, I, it was something I was going to bring up um, a little bit later on. Mm. But since you just said about suplexing someone, I saw someone uh, the other day, and I can't for the life of me remember who it was, but I saw the uh, what I know as the chaos theory being used on TV, yeah. and it looked absolutely fantastic. I've always yeah. loved that as a move. I've always associated with you. Um, yeah. Is it something you created? Did you get it from someone? What, what's the uh, the origin of that? Because I love it as a finisher. Yeah, it's an interesting story, actually. Yeah, I did create it. What happened is. Um, you have to go back to 1999 or so, I think, 1998-99. Uh, we're doing some shows on a, on a, um, in London uh, for an old company called UWA. I, don't, I won't go into the backstory of them anyway, but uh, Chris Daniels was over and uh, we were scheduled to have a match. You know, first time I met him and everything. He asked me what my finisher was. Um, and back then I didn't really have a... You know, a British wrestling's different, you know, like, when, when, when I was brought up the way I was trained and everything, you don't really have finishes as such. Mm-hmm. People do, like, se- sequences and things like that, and it finishes with a roll-up or a crossbody or something like that. And didn't really have finishes. I was a bit strong. I said, OK, it's a German suplex. He goes, oh, well, that's a bit boring. You know, you need to add something to it to make it, a little, you make it your own and everything. So I went away and thought about it, and uh, I came up with, the, you know, the O'Connor roll into, into the suplex. So I've got Chris Daniels to thank, uh, to thank for the spark you know, um, making me think about it, and uh, yeah, I just I just came up with it myself. So was he the um, first person that took it, or did you did it come after? I can't, I can't remember that. Maybe, okay. maybe, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I probably practiced it on a few people and uh, before him, you know, in the training yeah. in the training situation. Um, but no, that that that, that is, you know, hundred percent the story. Um, and I've never, yeah, in all my years, I've never really seen anyone do it. Other, you know, recently it has, and I don't know why, but. Yeah, no. In in, in my 20, 24 years of wrestling, I'm, you know, I've been lucky that no one's really stolen it. I've always been identified as being my move, which is, you know, something that not a lot of wrestlers get get the honour of having. You know. Absolutely, and it um it, it looks yeah. tremendous as well. And it's uh, do, do you have a are you not when you see someone else use it, do you feel proud that they've taken it, or do you feel a little bit mm, um, you know, that's my that's my thing. How, how, what do you? That all depends. On, that all depends on who it is doing it. You know, yeah. if it's someone I like and, and admire, then I have no problem with it at all, and I appreciate that people. Um, I mean, do you want me to name names? If, if you know. like, yeah. I mean, you know, like I've seen Brian, Brian Daniels. I've seen Daniel Bryan do it, and that's fine by me. Um, and I've seen obviously Chad Gable do it, and that's fine by me because he was my favourite in NXT when I saw him anyway. He's a great wrestler. Obviously, he's been given it off the back of someone knowing that I, I it was my finisher. Um, and I did tweet him and say, oh, you know, you know, it looked good when he did it, and you know, thanks for uh, thanks for respecting the move, sort of thing. And he uh, he liked it, so obviously, you know, that's good. 
That's really um, nice. That's probably where I saw it, actually, thinking about it. I yeah. Mean, I mean, yeah. If, anyone, if I wanted anyone to do it, it would be someone like him who's got a legitimate wrestling background and could perform it well every time he did it. So, you know, it's not a problem at all. Terrific. Since you bring up NXT, the fact that um, yeah. there's a lot of um, British influence there at the moment, isn't there? With not just um, sure. William Regal and uh, Robbie Brookside, but, you know, others that are either working behind the scenes or, you know, are competing in there. Um that must that helps as well, doesn't it? The idea that the British wrestling it's not only it's not only the younger guys getting a chance, or some of the older guys getting a yeah. chance, but also the fact that it shows the respect for what we're about. Because yeah. you know the people that are training them, they're, they're not on, on TV anymore, but they are obviously going to have that show the respect that the British influence can have. And NXT is a lot more um, sort of psychological and technical, isn't it, than, than some of yeah. the other, some of the other things you see. So the, there's a British influence is creeping everywhere now. It is, and it harks back to what I said earlier about you know British wrestlers always being identified and respected for their wrestling ability, apart you know apart aside from anything else. And uh, you know I think the fact that the the guys they have as trainers in NXT, the rich guys, are obviously able to explain and enunciate the psychology and the skill and and, and what wrestling is really about. You know uh, you know especially on a grassroots level. Um, and, that, and, that, and that filters through, and it helps in the development of the of the of the talent as they come through. I think it gives them a really really good base, which is something maybe that developmental didn't have before, but it now has. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they can and then they integrate that with whatever WWE want in terms of a TV product. So it should be, a, you know, I think in the years to come, um, you know, you'll see more and more talent move up and be successful just just from working within within the developmental system. Is there a little um, uh, little pang of regret that that wasn't around a, a little bit longer ago? That you, it might have been a, an avenue you could have uh, you could have gone down because I could have seen you working wonderfully in that system. Yeah, well, I, no, I haven't got any regrets about it. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm not I'm not old, am I? I mean, I'm still there's still you know you, they never know there still could be opportunities for that. Hope so. Um, I'm I'm not ready to be a, a, a full-on trainer yet, anyway. But you never know. Um, we'll see. You know could happen in the future couldn't it indeed I mean I was I was talking as a as a, as a talent because um, certainly you, it's one, you're one of those people that whenever you mention the name Doug Williams to people um, if they've worked with you or if they haven't yeah. it's, a, it's a respected name I mean it's, I, sure. I, I pick up on things and I have done I'm not so close to you know the, the, the inner workings of wrestling as I used to be but when I when I was you know, you certainly, if, if your name was mentioned, it was always in, done in high regard, and that says a, a great deal for you. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not expecting you to now oh, start talking you. about how great you are, but uh, um, it um, must be nice to be thought of in those terms, because you must realise that, you know, there is a certain amount of respect given there. Yeah, definitely, and, and I appreciate the respect that is given to me, you know. Um, uh, yeah, it's difficult for me to, to say anything about that other than, it's nice that I can help young guys and they appreciate and respect me that they, they want my help, they want my assistance, you know, and that I can help develop the talent in this country and, and, and move it forward. And obviously I think, you know, not directly, but indirectly, my influence has filtered through the last few years and that's why you've got this spike now of all these guys that have got such great talent, you know, that I've been one of those influences that have helped push these people and made them see that they can do something bigger than just work community centres and holiday camps for the rest of their life and they can get out there and they can be, you know, superstars on the world stage, you know, and, and even, even if it's not that, they've still got a huge business here that, that they can make a living from, you know, and, and the fact that I'm probably part of it, that influence is, is, is a great thing, you know. 
I would 100% 100% agree with that. You know, you look at the guys who are coming up now, who are yeah. sort of in their early 20s for the most part. You know, they'd have been kids, teenagers and kids when when you were in Ring of Honor, TNA, showing yeah. that a British talent could make it. I mean, there was nobody else really from Britain then, was there? Like, you know, there was no, a handful no. of guys, but not like it is now. And, and it is you. You know, you were the trailblazer in terms of this era. You and a yeah. couple of others. So I think I think absolutely there's a massive influence there. Yeah, I know. It's, it's it's nice. It's a nice feeling. That's obviously if I haven't got, if I if I leave no other legacy behind. That at least I have that. <laughs> well, look, I've know, told this, the business. I've told the story on this podcast before, but I'm happy to tell it again. In fact, it's more appropriate now. Is that I recall? Um, I'm fairly certain it was at um, Bound for Glory 2009. Um, okay. After after the show, um, AJ had wrestled. Um, AJ Styles had wrestled Sting. And was the champ at that time, and we did some sort of flash interviews like quickly afterwards. There, yeah, um, sort of se- semi in character, but mo- you know, mostly not. And I remember saying to AJ, like, who's someone that you'd, um, you know, who would you most like to wrestle against for the title? And he said, you, you were the first person that came to his mind immediately. He went, yeah. I want more ma- matches with Doug Williams. I think he's tremendous. About blah blah blah. And you know, that was his his first reaction. I've never forgotten that because I mean, now, now he stands and he could be arguably the best wrestler in the entire planet right now. Yeah. And yeah. You know, he was someone that um, that you know certainly showed that respect for you then. And you know, if you, if you weren't high enough in my esteem then, you were. But that would put you even higher Thank to you. me. It was like someone like AJ Styles went, Doug Williams was the first thing he thought. Um, that's, I mean, that, you know, it's flattering, flattering to hear that. And I know that you know, me and AJ have always got on really well. And. Uh, yeah, you know, I have him to thank for, for that brief run with the TV title um, towards the end of my TNA career. Um, you know, when 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 he put me over and that in the matches we had. Um, unfortunately, other other things uh, didn't let it you know carry on as such. But uh, you know, I was flattering. I don't know what to say to that. Really. <laughs> <It made laughs> that's, me okay. Luck, but, that, that, no, that's okay. That's okay. I I'm not expecting you to. Uh... To respond too much, but I wanted to get that over to you because I just uh, I recalled yeah. it as being a, a good story. Um, but keeping with that theme in, in, in terms of uh, AJM with TNA, am I right yeah. in saying that um, uh, you wrestled on a couple of shows in, in Liverpool, I think, when uh, TNA came over for their first sort of real tour? I think sure. you worked with AJ and maybe someone else in a triple threat, I'm not certain. Um, yeah. Maybe some mixed tags, something that kind of thing. But that was yeah. a bit of a, was that a bit of a tryout for you, or were you already on board at that point? No, I was already signed by then. Right. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'd already signed by then. Yeah. Jay Lethal was the third person in those tag, in those three ways. Ah, yes, so yeah, I remember that now. Yeah, they were great. Shows. I remember my, my, you know, all the TNA shows I watched over the years. I must have gone to about five tours, probably. That one was my first, actually. And I yeah. think probably the most fun match I watched while we were there. I've said this before to you, but it was, um, it was in Paris. Do you remember that one show you guys did in Paris? And right before the intermission, it was you and Nick against um, Beer Money. Right. Okay. Um, and just, and I, it was just, you know, one of those matches where I just ended up watching the whole thing and just absolutely loved it. Start proper yeah. classic face versus heel tag match, cracking. You know what they they, they said about that, and it, not because the, they, they they did that match around the loop that that tour, and then the following year we were supposed to do different things. I can't remember what it was, but through th- whatever reason, people pulling out, people being injured, this that and the other, it ended up just being. British Invasion against Beer Money again on, on the loop and they said and they, they said to us it, the reason for that is that that's our go-to match we want the match to wake up the audience and, and make you know entertain them and have a good time that's the match that we we, we set and, you know, we were flattered by that that's, that's nice you know that you know when when other things have all gone wrong they know they've got that match to rely on to 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 you know get the crowd up so that was nice you know and it was fun it was a lot it was a lot of fun working those those shows you know 
Um, all good guys. Yeah. While we're on um, that sort of tour conversation, I think we've got sure. to bring up the fact that uh, getting to wrestle Ric Flair in London. Tell us about that. Oh yeah, yeah, that was a, uh, yeah, that was a, uh, you know, experience. <laughs> Um, I mean, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna put down the fact that I wrestled in, you know, effectively my hometown uh, na- on a national basis, you know, home <laughs> in London, uh, in front of 11,000 fans, in front of a legend like Ric Flair. It was fantastic. It's a shame he got injured, and we had to, had to cut the match short, you know. Sure. Um, I think the best thing about that match is the fact that we went in there with nothing planned, at, you know, nothing at all. We just had the finish and just worked through it, you know. Wow. Um, it was, you know, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. For me. It, it was a, a, a huge moment for me in my career, and um, you know I'll never forget that. It was it was something else, you know. That would have been one of his last matches, wouldn't it? Yeah, it might have been his last match actually. I don't know, unless he did stuff on TV afterwards. I'm not really sure. To no, be I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's a bit fuzzy timelines, but it's it's it's, it's definitely in the last three or four. Yeah, yeah, definitely, oh, definitely, definitely. It was 2011, wasn't it? So. That's right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think uh, Ricky's going to feature uh, in a little while when we get into our WrestleMania uh, recap um, game. Okay. We're going to play the uh, our WrestleMania mixtape game you in uh, in a few few minutes, Doug. But a little bit more about uh, um, you, obviously, before before we move on to that. Um, in terms of your uh, run with TNA and indeed with uh, with Ring of Honor, um, any time where you've got to have that sort of um, exposure uh, in in big yeah. companies, uh, you know, on a transatlantic basis and anywhere anywhere else you may have worked. I guess it works twofold for you, does it? One, it's an experience for you, learning different things, um, hopefully making some good money, but also um, being able to come back with extra name value. Now, we know you over here anyway, and you've got a, you know, good yeah, value, but there'll yeah. be extra people on a mainstream basis have seen you, because you were you know, pretty high profile there, you know, for, for quite a while in TNA, so it must be nice when yeah. you come back and you're able to, you know, this is TNA star Doug Williams, it does add a little bit of you know, credentials. Oh, it's like I came back and I'm a, a fresh person no one had ever seen before. You know, I could go all around the country now doing my British Invasion gimmick effectively as, as a fresh fresh character, you know what I mean? It's like you had the Doug Williams that everybody knew up to, you know, from when I started wrestling up to 2009. And then you had the TNA Doug Williams <laughs> from then onwards, you know. Um, I was saying to someone tonight at the show, you know, all the all the things that I'm known for, it's the blooming wrists grab and, and hedge <laughs> you know what I mean? and it's like well you know whatever gets your jobs it doesn't really matter does it but um, you know it's interesting it's, yeah you you, you you get pushed in a new you know get pushed on something like that and you have a new lease of life and it's almost like you're a, a totally new character that people want to see again you know it's, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting I'm so glad I mentioned the chaos theory first before the wrist clutch and head bob. <laughs> oh, that's pleasing. If I'd have gone to that one first, eh? Um, hey. <laughs> um, but what, what about now? I mean, it's uh, four or five years or so since um, uh, since you left TNA, um, but yeah. you're still, you know, really, really active and working all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. How uh, how much are you, are you enjoying things right now? Sorry, say that again. You broke how, up. Sorry, do you How much are you in, uh, enjoying your your wrestling life right now? Yeah, no, I like it because I get to pick and choose the shows I want to do, um, and I just work, uh, go out there and have fun. Really, you know, it's no for me. There's no pressure. You know, I'm not trying to build my career. I'm not trying to chase any kind of dream now. What I'm trying to do is just just go out there and have fun, entertain the crowd, and, and so it's kind of the same kind of feeling I had when I first started. Because when I first started, I didn't have any great ambition past working on the British scene and you know having some you know wrestling. You know, for fun, really, and um, that's how it feels now. You know, the same thing again. There's no, 
you know, there's no no pressure there, nothing there where I feel like, oh, I've got to try and build my career, I've got to try and get to that next stage. And for that, you know, that, that, that's a nice feeling. That's a nice feeling. Excellent. So what's um, this will come out quite soon. Uh, we're recording this, everyone, by the way, that's listening. We're recording on the Sunday night just before Fastlane, um, which we'll talk a, bit, a little bit about later on in the podcast, okay. me and Paul. Um, but so we'll just go out quite quickly. So what's uh, what's coming up on the uh, on the schedule in the next few weeks? Okay, well, uh, next weekend's a busy weekend. That's the weekend of the uh, 11th and 12th of March. Um, I'm in Weymouth for a charity show on the Friday, the 10th. So people want to get down to that. It's a charity um, for a... Uh, um, um, a charity for children with uh, complex needs I think they call it I'm doing that show um, and then on the 11th I'm in uh, Colchester for XWA um, it's a big show me against Jody Fleisch which is a blast from the past match if you want to get down there and, and relive wow. my early days yeah that's going to be that's in Colchester um, and then the 12th I am in Stevenage for Southside and that's another big one because me and Nick are reuniting and teaming together as a British Invasion on that one. Terrific. So if you want to see nice. us, if you want to see us back reunited, then come to Stevenage on the 12th. I sound like a right advert now, don't I? <laughs> Carry on, <laughs> it's cracking. And then on the 13th, I am in London for What Culture Pro Wrestling. Um, I don't know what I'm doing on that other than wrestling, but that's at the Coronet Theatre in the Elephant and Castle. So if you're in London and you want to come and see a great show, I'd go and see What Culture on the 30th. It's a Monday as well, so there's nothing else happening on a Monday usually. Come down and see them. That's next weekend. Um, other than that, April, I've got... Bloody, I've got loads here. I can go on all night, really. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, okay, obviously, we'll... hooked on, hooked on on the second, of course. WrestleMania party in, in Cardiff. Um, back in Germany, one. the following weekend. Um, yeah, I'm, actually, I'm in Germany every weekend in April until the 29th, and then I'm at what culture in Newcastle again. So yeah, I'm booked out every weekend in, in here and there. But um, I, you know. Look out for your local adverts. What you know um, on Facebook, go online, Twitter. I put all my dates up on there. You can see me. I'm I'm usually around somewhere. Excellent <laughs> doing, stuff. Doing something. Yeah. I'll just um, I'll pick up on what culture because you you've brought them. Okay. Up. They're, they're one and there's a there's a a couple that are on a, a similar vein right now that are making okay. themselves bigger in terms of running shows in different parts of the country. We talked about the sort of territorial thing, but what culture yeah. one of a few that are running in different yeah. parts of the country and putting their toe in the water when it comes to iPay-per-views and uh, streaming services, yeah. apps, all that kind of thing. Um, yeah. That is also going to be, that's kind of bridging the gap, isn't it? Because we've had something like the, you know, the world of sport um, experiment on ITV. We'll see how that goes. There's the WWE UK thing. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. You know, that's on a sort of bigger level, but there's a there's kind of a yeah. bridging gap, isn't there, with something like What Culture, which is pretty new, but they seem to be yeah. making some waves. Yeah, they do. And, uh, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're not looking for that big TV contract. They're content to, they're not looking for that big TV contract. They're content to carry on with their online, uh, Content and doing the things that the way they're doing, um, and it's working. I, I'm working for them. They're growing and their shows are getting better. And uh, you know, it's a whole learning experience for the whole team. Everybody backstage is, well, you know, myself and a couple of other guys exclu excluded. Um, you know, they're quite new to wrestling, and it's a, a learning experience for them. Um, obviously, the talent they use is great, so there's never any problems with the wrestling quality side of it. Um, and yeah, they just hope they you know they carry on in the same vein and they and they can grow using the medium that they use as opposed to looking for that TV contract or or that something of that nature, you know. Of course, terrific. Um, yeah. Let's um, let's have a quick chat about uh, about WrestleMania as a 
as a okay. fan growing up and then as a, yeah. as a wrestler um, yeah. does, does Wrestlemania sort of hold a, a sort of special place in your heart from, from both of those sides of things I mean I assume you watched it as a when you were before you got into the business but even you know since you've yeah. been a wrestler is Wrestlemania something you still sort of go back to and you need to watch well, of course. such a pinnacle yeah because of course it's the whole year you know builds to that and the whole kind of atmosphere and feeling around it you know like it's, it's you know it's Wrestlemania season and that kind of flows across the whole of the scene doesn't it you know what I mean everybody's working their hardest and the shows are, seem to be more busy and and, and and everything gets more exciting and uh, it, it, you know it's, it, it has been you know the, the, the main thing the main date in wrestling as a whole for the last 35 years or however long it's got 35 33 34 years something like that 33 you're up to yeah 33, yeah, there we go, you see, so it's, it, it's, you know, it is the most important date in the wrestling, it's like the NF, it's like Super Bowl, isn't it, or, you know, uh, the World Cup, or, or any of the exactly. major events, it's, it's that one thing that, that defines wrestling, really. And the fact that so much has grown up around it now, we um, we talked to Steve Linsky on the show a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking okay. about going over to... Um, to, to America during WrestleMania time, and there's going to be wrestlers out there. There's going to be British promotions represented out there. It's a sort of, yeah. a, it's like a WrestleMania festival now, isn't it? Like it is, isn't it? It's like a convention, isn't it? Like a trade convention where we can here we can go along and show our wares to as many people as possible. <laughs> Which it's is crazy, a good thing, right? isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's mad. It, it's but. crazy. I was I went last year in Dallas. It was my first WrestleMania ever. Um, oh yeah. Well, well overdue. But you know, Dallas isn't a small city. I don't know what the size no. of it is, but it's huge. And um, I, I, I felt like I didn't see anybody else other than wrestling fans for the whole weekend just on any yeah. street any hotel it was bizarre wow, wow. well uh, you know that must have been quite the uh, experience for you <laughs> it was well overdue <laughs> <laughs> right uh, been, Wrestlemania gets this, um, gets us on to our Wrestlemania mixtape challenge let me uh, explain okay. uh, to Doug and to the listeners briefly what we're uh, what we're doing Paul Benson admitted to me a few weeks ago that he'd never seen WrestleManias 1 and 2. So I demanded okay. he go away and watch them, which he did. And oh, okay. I then set him a little challenge saying, could he watch all of the previous 32 WrestleManias between then and this one taking place in four weeks' time? Uh, Paul, update, how are you getting on? Well, I had a little bump in the road this week due to a holiday um, and some difficulties getting streaming in Spain and a really terrible Wi-Fi connection but long story short long story short I am now up to Wrestlemania 10 10 okay. so I'm a third, ten. almost a third of the way no. through 10 <laughs> I know I know it's shocking isn't it I've got a life outside of Wrestlemania well, <laughs> not, for next, not for the next month I expect at least one a night you know at least one a night <laughs> You're going to need to be not far off. We're only 30-something days away from Mania, yeah. and you've got 22 to go. Anyway, um, what we've been doing to accompany Paul's challenge is we've okay. been trying to pick our uh, a match to represent each WrestleMania on what we're calling the WrestleMania Mixtape. Now, it doesn't have to be the best match on the show, um, but it's one that we feel is historically significant um, that we choose for each one. So more some Manias are more tricky than others. A quick rundown of what we've got so far, because what we do is um, Paul pitches one, I pitch one, and then our guest, which is you this week, Doug, are going to have to choose which uh, you think is going to go on the, uh, on the tape. So okay. far... We have uh, Hogan and Mr. T versus Roddy Piper and Paul Orndor from WrestleMania 1. The British yeah. Bulldogs versus the Dream Team from WrestleMania 2. Hogan versus... <laughs> of my, uh, my sheet here, I've written Andrew the Giant. Um, Hogan versus <laughs> Andre the Giant is from WrestleMania 3. Um, Randy Savage versus Ted DiBiotti from 4. Ultimate Warrior versus Rick Rude. Uh, um, Rick Rude from number 5. Ultimate Warrior versus Hogan from 6. And then Undertaker versus Jimmy Snooker from 7. 
So that's right. what we've got so far. Um, is it me to go first this week, Paul? I think it's... Um, uh, I'm on the even... Eight. Yep, it's I'm you to go the, first. I'm on the even numbers. Right? I've got a tricky decision here because um, I'm, I've got something in my mind I'd like to choose for WrestleMania 10. So I'm kind of like hedging that I don't want to put two of the same thing on. But given that I don't know uh, exactly what we're going to get through on this one, I'm going to go with my instincts on this. So I'm going to choose... I'm going to choose Bret Hart versus Roddy Piper for the Intercontinental Championship. Um, not only do I think it's a great match, um, there wasn't all that many, you know, what we would term babyface matches in WrestleMania history to that point. These two hadn't had much interaction at that point, even though I believe they were they were quite good friends in real life. Um, to me, this was a real landmark win for Bret. I know that there was uh, other matches, you know, for example, the the SummerSlam match with Mr. Perfect that you can point to. But I think this is Brett's kind of arrival at WrestleMania. So, and it's a great okay. match as well. So I'm going to go with Brett versus Piper. I think, Paul, I know what you're going to come back with. Yeah, pretty obvious, really. Now, WrestleMania 8 is the first WrestleMania I ever saw and um, loved it. Yeah, it's still my top five still to this day, based on nostalgia and a couple of great matches. One you've already mentioned. I'd have been happy to argue for that. The second one is my pick is going to be uh, the WWF World Championship match between Ric Flair and Randy Savage. Fantastic match. Um, really good build-up with uh, Liz was with me before you photograph nonsense. It was very sort of soap opera, but damn well done. Um, as with most Randy Savage matches, the, the emotion was in there as well as the great wrestling. Um, obviously, it was the, for the biggest title in the company. Um, made all the more intriguing for me, but it really shouldn't have taken place. You know, it should have been Flair Hogan for that WrestleMania, but because of that didn't happen, we got such a better match. We got blood, which obviously we got in both those matches, which was completely rare at the time, and we got a great crowd-pleasing finish with a nice good, nice emotional ending, um, just like the Savage match at WrestleMania 7, really. So for that reason, I'm going with Savage Flair as my nomination for this WrestleMania. Okay, Doug, over to you. It's your, uh, you're in the hot seat to uh, choose what you uh, would like to put on. What are you going to go with? Out of those two? Mm-hmm. Or anything. Well, okay. Uh, actually, it's quite an easy choice for me. Um, I'm sorry to say, Paul, but I'm going to have to go with Brett and Piper. <laughs> I can't uh, fault that. I'll give you a couple of reasons for it. First of all, Piper was notorious for not putting anybody over, mm-hmm. and he put Brett over in that match. So for that, and the fact that I remember that match as a signature match of WrestleMania 8, but I don't really remember Randy Savage and Flair as a signature match. You know, if someone says WrestleMania 8 to me, Savage and Flair doesn't really, you know, come to mind first. And I think the reason for that is people were always expecting Flair and Hogan, and because that never happened, it was always a little bit of a disappointment. Despite the match being great, as you said, I think it was always in the back of their minds that Flair and Hogan should have been part of that WrestleMania. Excellent. Fair enough. So uh, one on the board to me. I think if we're keeping track on that front, I think you're uh, you're you're five three up. I think Paul. But uh, well, mate, I, I I was happy whichever we, you know whether I won or lost that one. I think it's a, yeah. you can't argue with the decision. Actually, Two so, great was, so was I because I kind of felt that until we get later on, possibly to WrestleMania 24, um, I don't think Flair's going to get an inclusion. So I wouldn't <laughs> mind it if uh, if Flair was going to be on at that point. But uh, it could have gone either way, which I think the WrestleMania 10 may do. WrestleMania 9, however. Yeah, that's, that's, that's going to be a tough one. I, <laughs> I think I know you two, what you guys are going to choose for WrestleMania 10, so that's going to be interesting. Well, okay, it would be nice if we could just skip straight to it, but unfortunately right. we have to delve into WrestleMania 9 first. <laughs> Indeed, um, you get to go first, Paul. 
Now, you know, I'll start oh, by God. saying I don't despise this WrestleMania as much as most do. I think it's got it's got this weird feeling as if it's not canon, as if it's just this random event plucked into the middle of the schedule in a Las Vegas car park featuring <laughs> like random talent doing random things like Hulk Hogan winning the world title. Um, bonkers. Bob, Bob, <laughs> Bob Heenan riding backwards on an elephant. Um, and, and, and Savage who's in the world title match the year before in a brutal feud ending last uh, Force County anyway match the year after um, is a colour commentator dressed in a white outfit at least he wasn't subjected to a toga so um, with that in mind um, I suppose by default what I'm going to pick I'm, I'm not going to pick any matches that are in inverted commas hi- historically significant on this one because I don't really think there are um, other than the one where The Undertaker could easily have lost the streak before it started I'm going to go with what I think was the best wrestling match on this card um, there's only one pick really Steiner Brothers against the Head Shrinkers um, loved the Steiners when they came in they were still very fresh at this point really loved the Head Shrinkers as a nice heel classic Pacific tag team don't headbutt them um, and I just thought it was a nice 12 well, no about 10 12 minute match again with absolutely no consequences whatsoever but it was a shining star on a very very poor card okay that's an interesting tack that you've gone down the best wrestling match I, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with the fact that that was the best match on the show what I am going to say is that Doug said something when he was choosing Brett versus Piper which he said that that match was what to him defined Wrestlemania 8 now this story of the Wrestlemania mixtape is not necessarily to say the best of it's to say what defines the story of Wrestlemania so therefore I am going with the thing that I associate with Wrestlemania 9 and I am going to choose Doink versus Crush because I remember the two Choice. Doinks I, rem- I think that defines that sort of era of kind of silliness I, by the way I loved the original heel Doink I thought it was a fantastic character well played it was a shame it didn't for whatever reason um, sort of get played out and I think this is the point where the Doink character diminished and started getting a bit sort of, um, you know, a bit more silly in my opinion but this isn't a great match um, it's, a, it's a moment in time for me of the two Doinks and all the thing that happened around it so that's my pick it's a tough decision Doug for a different reason from the last one and possibly the next one but uh, what were you going to go with of course tough isn't it you know the only match I remember from that Wrestlemania is Shawn Michaels against Tanko I think which was yeah, the opener yeah. I don't remember I've obviously the finish you know the, the Yokozuna and Bret Hart debacle at the end but I don't remember anything else really but uh, you know I, <laughs> I can't I can't you know with my hand on my heart put Doink and crushing because <laughs> you know um, I'll go with I'll go with the Steiners match because quite simply I get on really well with both those guys you know every time I met them I always had the best time a great laughs I was you know with Rick in Japan I was in, with Scott in TNA and they always really really good to me despite all the stories you hear about them being you know dicks being you know hard to work with they never were with me um, and it would have been a good match and their time in WWF as as the brothers was never really fully uh, exploited to the max I think you know so that was probably their only time to shine so for that reason I'll probably put that match in fantastic and this is probably okay. the first and last time that anyone will pick a match because they're friends with the guys so I'm stuck with that <laughs> sure <laughs> that's as good a reason as any for me and I, I think this is, this is gonna also going to be the, the show where me and you are going to be the most amicable it's up to the point up to this point, Doug, we've kind of disagreed quite violently, me and Paul, but uh, oh, really? we've oh, been right. quite, uh, we've been quite respectful of one another's choices. Um, 
let's see if we do that onto WrestleMania 10, our final WrestleMania for, for this show. Yeah. And I have <laughs> made my pick based off of what you chose for WrestleMania 8. So the fact that we've got Brett and Piper in, um, yeah. I want there to be a good variation of matches on this uh, on this mixtape, and I'm certainly going to be choosing Brett again in the future. So despite the fact that I think Brett versus Owen is an absolute classic, wonderful match to watch with a it surprise is. ending and just beautiful match, I'm going to choose Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon in the ladder match because it's um, it's the, it's not the first ever ladder match. Um, it's not even the first one in, in WWF, but um, it is the first one on that sort of scale um, that introduced it to at least a North American and a sort of Western audience. Um, and lots of other matches were spawned from that. But it's not your crash and burn, um, you know, you know, TLC kind of match that uh, ladder matches have become. Um, it is structured. There is a story to be told in it. They use the ladder well. Um, and it had the, the right finish for the story at the time, which was that Razor was consolidating the uh, the two belts that were around. So I think it's a story well told. I think it's a moment in history. It's also it's a great match as a standalone. Um, so I was very tempted to choose the Hart Brothers, but I'm going with HBK and Razor. Well, can't argue that choice. Um, I think I'm going to go with uh, the obvious second option, and that's Adam Bomb against Earthquake. I mean, um, no, um, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm sorry, leaving my senses there. I'm obviously going to go with that's the one, one, right? Can I just is that the one where Adam Bomb rolls out like seconds after he gets pinned? Seconds, seconds. <laughs> Selling the awesome power of the Earthquake. Clearly, a man that was very narked by being told that he was losing about 30 seconds to. Uh, to Earthquake at WrestleMania. But it was but the no, fact that the, um, the, the Howard Finkel um, Harvey Whippleman angle got longer than the match, and I think that was probably the <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to go with um, what is, in my opinion, un, in unarguably the best opening match in WrestleMania history, quite possibly the best opening match of any wrestling pay per view card of all time, um, and that is Brett versus Owen Hart. Um, not only was it one of the best matches you'll ever see with a really great ending but it also set up basically two to three years of main event storylines by having Owen as the aggrieved younger brother who beat his, bro- beat his bigger brother fair and square and he then sees his bigger, big brother win the title later in the night setting up that frustrated heel and all that came after it so um, again two great choices but I'm going with Brett Owen tough choose to, choose to be in Doug what are you going to go with Right, okay. I think, Rob, you're three for three here because I'm going to go with Sean and Razor for the ladder match. Uh, that is the defining match of WrestleMania 10, without a shadow of a doubt. People say WrestleMania 10, that is the match they think of. And it was such a, uh, you know, a, uh, it set a standard for what ladder matches should be in terms of, like you said, the story and, and how they used ladder to, to just, it was just incredible, really. Um, as great as Brett and Owen's match was, you know they've been doing that since they were 10 years old. Going back to Stampede, they probably wrestled that match every single day of their lives until they got to that point where they could, had the chance to show it on, on, on you know, on pay-per-view. <laughs> so, um, you know, for that reason, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to go with with, with uh, Sean and Razor. Well, again, I can't, I've got no arguments there. 2-1 to you, actually, it was this oh, week. 2-1, well, 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 I picked the Steiners. Oh, did you? Oh, right, okay, sorry. Okay, then. Okay, <laughs> That's all right. Well, well, I've, uh, doesn't influence my decision. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Good neutrality. <laughs> uh, it means I snuck a little bit closer overall. If we were playing that, we weren't necessarily doing this as a, a competition in terms of who would get the most. But it's six-four now to you, Paul Benson. So uh, after being, I think I was 
four nil down or three nil down or something ridiculous or whatever. Three, two, back three down it. at least, yeah. Yeah. Can I can I just say that it's probably probably quite lucky that that um I've done this this episode of the podcast because after ten I don't think I really watched that many WrestleManias going forward on a, on the. It's like when you started wrestling, I started training to wrestle. I'd watch the matches that I wanted to match to uh, to watch to educate myself. Yeah. So I don't think past ten, I really watched any of them in their entirety. Maybe up to twelve, but it's probably the best <laughs> the best three for me to choose. To be honest with you, it's the last three I remember as a fan. You know, watching as a fan. To be honest with you. Well, we certainly uh, wouldn't have uh, yeah. thrown you under the bus if uh, if we didn't think that <laughs> you'd know the era. So that's uh, that's right. that's a good thing. Um, but just um, just on a, on a final note before uh, before we sure. let you go and just kind of throwing it forward to um, uh, to this year's mania, the fact that you'll be watching it um, in a sort of a different environment this year because obviously you watch okay. it with, with the people. Um, we've found that it's a, a really cool way of watching a pay per view if you're not um, sat at home watching it or you're not in the venue or you're not on, you know taking part in it from uh, from your perspective. Then watching it with a whole bunch of wrestling fans that are out for a good time that there's um, you know we don't have any. Uh, any issues at our parties generally it's all in a very good yeah. atmosphere it's done in the right way um, so it should be a really good way of watching it so I hope that it'll be a kind of a, a two-fold enjoyment for you hopefully it's a great Wrestlemania um, but also yeah. I think you'll enjoy the, the dynamic of the night I think that's what makes wrestling shows anyway isn't it the live experience and watching it with other people and seeing their reactions and, and feeling that whole atmosphere I mean you know watching at home by yourself on the telly is, is never going to be the same ever Agreed. That's the, the exact reason we do these. Good, good, yeah. yeah. Indeed. So if you are, sorry, go on, go ahead, Doug. I was just saying, you know, there's a couple of really intriguing matches this year as well, which I'm looking forward to. So you know, make it even better, I think. Any, any, any ones in particular you want to you want to share? Oh, Brock and Goldberg, without a shadow of a doubt. You know, I'm intrigued. Uh, you know, they're like the, it's like the last two. The last, two, I hate to say, you say superstars, but you know what I mean. The last two kind of, of the last era of, of, of real um, characters in professional wrestling. You know what I mean? That 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 it's just going to be that's it's going to be really really interesting to see how they blow it off. Would it be fair to say these are the last two guys that were given those big, you know, in inverted commas, main event pushes before the WWE became too cautious to push anyone? Yeah, that, that's, that, that's basically what I was trying to say. Yeah, exactly right, exactly right. And you know, now WWE is all about the brand as opposed to the you know pushing wrestlers, you know, as as individuals. It's all about them. It's all about the company, isn't it? It's all about the brand now. Yeah. Um, I think those guys are the last two of, of the real pushed pushed individual wrestlers. You know. Most definitely. Um, I think it's going to be. A- it's a bit of an ensemble John Cena and Friends sort of thing is how it's been isn't it for, for a little while yes so, uh, absolutely absolutely yeah. I, I see we go. and I think they've done a I think they've done a smashing job of, of Brock and Goldberg in, in terms of they've just kept it so simple I'm sure that you know Paul Heyman's had a had his oar in on that one in terms of just there's not much you need to do in terms of clever bits of quote unquote creative but two yeah. big guys that look like they could rip your head off battering into one another and you've told the story of Goldberg winning twice and Clearly, yeah. Brock thinks he can beat him. It's just it's pure basic wrestling, but it works so well. Yeah, yeah. I'm just afraid they're going to spoil it by having uh, Brock cause Goldberg to lose against Owens, which I really hope they don't do. But we'll see. Yeah, yeah. yeah so as uh, as we say, we, we're recording this not long before uh, Fastlane. Oh yes, of course. We yes. Uh, we, we see how we uh, how it's going to go. <laughs> I can I can see there being a, a sort of a Jericho reason for um for 
Owen's losing, but we will see. We're not, this is not a fast lane speculation. It is uh, we are throwing forward to, uh, to Mania. Um, so if you are in uh, in South Wales or maybe Bristol, that sort of area, and you're thinking of um, uh, getting along to uh, watch WrestleMania in a different um, atmosphere, uh, Cardiff is where you can go uh, to see uh, a good show, hopefully uh, in a good environment, and of course a great host who we're not only are we happy to have in the Hooked on Wrestling team, but have uh, been delighted to have on the podcast. So uh, thank you, Doug, for uh, for coming on, and we uh, wish you wish you very well, sir. Any uh, any final words? No problem. Thanks very much for uh, you know making me part of the team. I'm really looking forward to it. As I said, it's uh, it's a new thing for me. It's a new uh, new experience. So it'll be uh, it'll be a lot of fun. It'll be a lot of fun. I'm sure. Fantastic. Thank you to Doug there. Great guest, Paul. Really enjoyed having him on, and I'm sure the people of Cardiff are uh, are onto a good thing with him in charge. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, like it was the first time we've had that perspective from a guest, and obviously we've got a lot of time and a lot of respect for Doug, and just to hear him, just the little sort of nuances that he could add to it that nobody else, with all due respect, so far has been able to, and and it made it a really nice little chat. I've, and like I say, I just think I think the world of Doug as a, as a bloke and a wrestler. So Dead Shifty came on tonight, uh, sorry today, and um, really chuffed that he's on board for Cardiff. I think people are going to love him. I think, uh, without going too um, self-indulgent on this, and we did say at the start of this podcast when it was just me and you that we were going to get some guests on, but they weren't necessarily going to be wrestlers. Um, but I like the different um, you know, perspectives that we've been getting you know, from people that we know from in the media, like Rob Lee and Rich Parr and other hosts like Ben Brown. And we've had Steve Linsky, the wrestling polymath, and, and, now, uh, and now Doug, who, who you know, me and you have known, well, you know him better than me, but we've known for many years, and we've got his perspective on lots of things, and now he's put our team out. So it's, I like it. I think the, it's... Uh, it's nice that we're getting these different perspectives on. Like I said, like we've said before, um, listeners, ladies and gentlemen, we don't want to um, just be like every other podcast and just break down Raw every week and just like get some wrestlers on and talk, you know, blandness. We could probably, let's, for example, we could probably, we could probably get Drew Galloway on the show. I think we could, we could easily swing that. But you know, it's he's going to be on lots of other podcasts. It's going to be the same sort of thing. I'd love to talk to Drew, but it's not our business anymore. I think I think it's different the way we're doing it, and I'm so excited for WrestleMania that we're able to build up for that to talk about it with other people. And it was fascinating to to hear Doug's perspective. I thought on how he was talking about how he views a show like that because I'm sure that re- wrestling fans think wrestlers watch loads of wrestling. I've said wrestle a lot there, but they think they watch lots of it, and actually they probably don't because they're either so busy or they've seen it all before. Um, but I think they do watch WrestleMania. It's like they all realise it's a, it's quite a big deal. Yeah, I agree. And like we, you know, as everyone knows, our our podcasts are done from the perspective of being positive about as much as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. We obviously without trying to trying to sound like ass kisses and whatever. But you know, the but the thing is, we're doing a podcast about the road to WrestleMania, about uh, about how we get from the Royal Rumble to the big show. And with all due respect to every one of our guests. Um, the, the most important reason, the most not, the reason we have them on is not their position in the wrestling world. Um, it's their opinions and how entertaining they are and how engaging they are. And I'd say to a man, everyone we've picked so far has been to had had that fresh perspective and been able to offer something new and interesting. Obviously, we would say that because we're hosting it, but <laughs> I think it's I, I think it's been a pretty decent run so far. I think so, and we've gen, we've genuinely known everyone that's been on the show so far. Um, if, if you're listening and thinking it's sort of a, a bit of a play acty kind of thing, is that we are getting people on that we know because uh, you know we've uh, we've built up a that was a big list of contacts. That's not what we're getting. It's not too self-congratulatory, but it's um it's nice to be able to I think share this different perspective, and that's what we're trying to do. Anyway, we, we were desperate to get Doug on for uh, for a few weeks, 
Um, we couldn't for a little while because we hadn't announced he was going to be hosting and then um, we had to get the right time when he was available. But I'm so pleased we got him on. I'm so pleased he's going to be with us in Cardiff. And we've got some really fantastic hosts, myself not included necessarily um, from that, but I'm so happy with who we've got in uh, some of our other shows all around the country. And we've done a lot of talking about those shows um, not just in previous weeks but today as well but we haven't said today Paul how people can get involved so um, if people are looking to come to Cardiff to see Doug in charge of Wrestlemania and to any of the other venues the other seven venues that we're running for Wrestlemania how can people get tickets how can they get tickets okay mate the simple answer to that is you need to go to ringsideworld.co.uk um, you can purchase tickets for all our events from there um, we're doing as, of, as most of our regular listeners know we're doing eight parties this time out we're doing London uh, which is going to be hosted by your good self. Uh, that's at Walkabout Temple. We're doing uh, Brighton Walkabout uh, on West Street, which we're, good, we're delighted um, to have Dean Ayas hosting that for us. Another big name from British wrestling, arguably the best manager in British wrestling in the last 20 years. Um, and a hell of an engaging guy. Then we've got uh, six other parties that are all shooters. Um, we talked about Cardiff, where Doug's going to be hosting for us. We're doing Birmingham, that's going to be hosted by Dave Mastiff. Really looking forward to getting him on board, and hopefully he'll be coming on the podcast in the next few weeks as well. Uh, we've got Leeds, um, which is going to be back under the uh, under the wing of Ben Brown. Uh, this time he was in Liverpool for us last time. Uh, we have Manchester, which is as usual going to be hosted by Danny Hope. Uh, Liverpool. Uh, where we're not announcing we've got a host lined up but we're not announcing it just yet so stay tuned for that Exciting. and and then in Nottingham we are going to be hosting uh, the host is going to be co-hosted um, actually in Nottingham uh, the bar shooters there hasn't opened yet doesn't open until March the 18th um, but we're going to be launching there Richard Young's going to be one of our hosts uh, he's an old buddy of mine he's a DJ um, possibly the cheesiest grip DJ in North East Lincolnshire so fits right in um, and he is actually going to be co-hosting with another um, another name from British Wrestling uh, not a current name um, someone I think most of our hardcore British wrestling fans will probably know um, haven't actually got 100% confirmation on that yet um, 95% but I don't want to mention it and jinx it until he's um, signed on the metaphorical dotted line so we'll probably talk about that a bit more next week so yeah ringside, ringsideworld.co.uk um, or if you want to speak to any of the shooters bars direct you can um, call them and book a table package um along with your ticket there's an extra five for the table package but as well as entry you then get your guaranteed seat you get a uh, burger and you get a beer uh, when you go in um, yeah so you know, tickets are selling really fast as we always mention London is well well over 50% capacity now so get in there quickly all the tables have gone there now um, totally sold out uh, Manchester we're having to open a second room because again we're close to capacity in terms of ticket sales and totally sold out in terms of tables in the main room um, and Cardiff and Liverpool also going like hotcakes as well the other, the other ones are, are, are ticking along nicely um, but the, the, the certain parties that you are going to need to get in there quick to buy a ticket so ringsideworld.co.uk is what you want to be at fantastic stuff um, I anticipate there might be some uh, some new listeners today who have um, been attracted to the podcast because uh, because Doug's on the show if so welcome thank you for coming along and, and listening to us this is probably the point where you realise that you've left the podcast running and you're actually at the gym or something or you're driving and Doug's finished and you were going to turn it off but and flick it on to talk is Jericho or something um, and you've left <laughs> it on but um, <laughs> permit me to say thank you for listening please do tune again um, and go back through some of our older shows where you'll find 
Um, some of our guests, like I said before, have been from different areas of wrestling media and of looking at it from a different perspective and somewhere within the, uh, the industry, whether that's working with us for the, the shows or whether it's someone like Steve Linsky that's done all sorts of things and from being uh, a referee, a manager in and out of the ring. Um, and uh, an agent, all sorts of different things. So we've, we've got some fascinating perspectives. Loads more to come. Uh, you just mentioned uh, uh, Dean Ayas just in there. I th you forgot to say that Dean Ayas is a, is a complete prick. Um, and I mean that as a massive compliment because I love the guy, but he's a brilliant, brilliant prick. Uh, and he'll know, what, he'll know why I'm saying that. Um, but we'll have Dean on in the future. He'll be an excellent guest. I had him on the one side of the ring once. Great fun, great guy. Um, and some of the other uh, hosts we hope we'll be able to either speak to before or after WrestleMania to get their, uh, their perspective on it. Um, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook, can you not, Paul? You can indeed. So we are on Facebook, uh, uh, facebook.com forward slash HO Wrestling. And we are on um, Twitter at HO underscore wrestling. One thing I did forget to mention is that um, in five of our venues, um, those five being Manchester, Leeds, Cardiff, Birmingham um, and Liverpool, we're delighted to be um, hosting the official WWE 2K17 tournament um, in association with Game, the biggest UK retailer of uh, video games on the high street. Um, those tournaments are all going to be taking place from 8.30 on the, on the nights. You can either buy your tickets in advance from ringsideworld.co.uk to enter that tournament, or you can buy them on the night, as long as you're there by 8 o'clock to register for that tournament. That's really important you're there if you want to play. Be there for 8 uh, ahead of the 8.30 start time uh, again we've got some great prize packages we're putting together for those can't quite announce it yet but I should suspect by the time uh, we come to next week's podcast we'll be in a position to tell you what those packages are but um, need to say it'd be well worth entering whether you fancy yourself as a hardcore gamer who has a chance of actually winning or whether you just fancy a bit of a laugh and uh, and playing a few rounds and seeing how far you can get either way I think it's going to be brilliant and we're, we're delighted to have game on board for those tournaments Absolutely, we might try and uh, try and convince some of our guest hosts as well to uh, get in on the um, on the 2K17 activity, and they might you might be able to have a little <laughs> little game against one of them. See how you can uh, see how good you can be against them on the on the machines. Um, we also it. have um, fancy dresses optional, but encouraged. All of our parties, we do have prizes um, for the best fancy dress. It's not necessarily the best outfit, but also there's a little bit of mannerisms in there, playing the game and all that kind of thing. Um, we will bring you up, and we will talk to you or make you do an entrance and something like that uh, so that'll be fun don't have to but it's uh, it's optional um, we also have the famous Switch on Wrestling quiz at all of the venues prizes to be won for that um, so there is lots going on all night up until midnight when Wrestlemania itself starts so we try and do our bit um, between sort of 8 and midnight and then we hand over to WWE we make the tag to Vince and the boys and hopefully they will uh, do a grand job um, let's have a little bit of a chat about that we didn't really talk much last week about um uh, some more current events so I think we ought to touch on it a little bit like I said earlier in the podcast we're not a kind of let's do a three hour review of Raw which is in itself a three hour show and in that three hour review we'll moan about the fact that it's three hours um, but we will uh, have a little bit of a chat about a couple of issues um, that occurred one that I wanted to bring up um, which I found the most interesting from uh, from Raw this week was the same that they did with Seth Rollins um, I am not involved as a wrestling journalist anymore, per se, outside of doing hooked on stuff, including this podcast. So I'm not quite have I don't quite have my ear to the to the ground as much as I used to in terms of rumor and um, you know you know suspected goings on behind the scenes or storylines and that kind of thing. And do you know what? I kind of like that that I'm left guessing a little bit as I go along, and I genuinely don't know 
what situation Rollins is in. I mean, I think they might be even feeding some information out that might be conflicting. So Rollins came onto Raw this week with his massive crutch, and it did look, you know, so comedically ludicrous that I thought it was going to be as prop. I thought he was going to throw it down uh, and attack Triple H or attack Samoa Joe or do some sort of angle and say, "I am absolutely fine." You know, book me for Mania. They may still do that, but I found it intriguing. I watched the whole segment expecting that. I thought Triple H was appropriately nasty. I thought Samoa Joe looked really great as the kind of heavy sort of lurking in the background. It feels like that there's a Joe um, Rollins match somewhere. That maybe they were going to do that. I think they probably were going to do that at Fastlane, and then to get to Rollins and Triple H at Mania. But it seems to me, Paul, I don't know if you agree, that it felt like they were keeping their options open. I suspect they're not sure at this point just how well Rollins is. And this was a bit of a, let's keep it ticking over, let's keep everyone guessing. I think that's I think that's a fair assessment. Um, it's actually, you know, as it's transpired, it's actually added to the intrigue of this whole match, this whole storyline. It's, you know, it's turned into, will, will he or will he not make mania? Which, for an underdog face against, you know, the, the what's he calling himself, the destroyer, Triple H, I think it's actually quite a fun little story to have. Um, and, and again, intriguingly, do they know whether he's going to make it or not? Um, if they do, then they're doing a good job of keeping us guessing, like you said. I suspect they probably don't, and I think they've probably got a plan A and a plan B lined up. Um, I think if I had a gun to my head, I don't know what you think, but I think he probably does make it. Um, a because it's, it's, it seems to be fairly borderline on whether he's going to or not and the fact that he missed last year probably suggests that he's going to absolutely go balls to the wall and do whatever he has to do to get there and if he's on, on the fence come showtime I think I think he goes he goes for it um, but in the meantime I think it's going to be a really fun you know the players the, the pieces are, are lining up with him Triple H Samoa Joe whoever else is going to get involved in the next couple of weeks to have a really fun four week build I feel like they wouldn't have had him on the show this week if he wasn't fit. That's kind of the reason why I feel like he probably will make the show because I know you've got to fill three hours these days, but you've got a pay-per-view to plug in Fastlane, you know, the following Sunday, and you've got WrestleMania to plug for four and a half weeks later. Why take up TV time? Now, you could also say why take up TV time with Sheamus versus Titus O'Neil. So what you have got to do is, is fill the three hours. However... I just feel they wouldn't have advertised Rollins and done all that and had Triple H make... Triple H doesn't appear on Raw very often. So for them to use up a Triple H appearance and you know further that time with Joe and, and do all that... Because Joe was featured elsewhere. You know He wrestled Cesaro and he had the angle with Zayn, so they didn't, it wasn't like they had to get Joe on. So I feel like it's prob... I, I would probably lean towards Rollins makes it. But as I've said before on here, it, it's really not critical. You know We're talking about some matches. We'll, we'll talk in a minute about a possible AJ Styles Shane McMahon match and you know that's quite a long way down the card you know that's not even in the top three or four matches really um, we know we're not confirmed with Owens and Jericho but you know, that's going to be you know is that going to be on there obviously we've got the the Brock and Goldberg match and there's Bray versus Randy you know and is the big show um, Shaq thing going to happen you know that's always been a rumour in the background but is that simply just a a chat rumour what are they going to do with Undertaker is that going to be Roman Reigns where does that leave Braun Strowman you know there's so many people so many variables that you're not going to miss Seth Rollins versus Triple H I still think it wouldn't be the worst thing obviously I feel for you know someone like Seth that's 
maybe missing out on a big show that you know is a good enough wrestler that would you know would shine on that stage. Um, it's a shame. But on the other hand, I sort of feel it wouldn't be the worst thing for WWE business for for this to be a SummerSlam match and not a WrestleMania. I, I agree with that statement, but I where I disagree is that I think that maybe it wouldn't be the worst thing for WWE business overall, but it would be the worst thing for Seth Rollins overall. Um, you know, he's had such a, a stop-start run since he turned face, and the whole sort of focus of that run has been ultimately getting revenge on Triple H. And I, I genuinely think if they book it right, that moment will be the moment that, that really solidifies the face turn and pops him straight back into that proper upper echelon of, of, of main event talent, which he's kind of slipped out of. I think if you leave that till sort of SummerSlam time, a you run the risk of the the momentum and the impetus draining. But also, you know, for all it's come on in a few the last few years, WrestleMania stands on a pedestal well above anything else. And a win against Triple H at WrestleMania, for better or worse, means so much more than that win at SummerSlam. Um, so like like you say, will it will it affect the viewers? Will it affect the buys? Unlikely. Will it affect Seth Rollins' entire career if he doesn't make this match? I'm afraid to say it probably will. Possibly. Um, Samoa Joe. Where does Samoa Joe fit into things? I have a new theory on Joe, which I'm going to hold to myself just for a second, but where do you think he fits in? Because they've put him in a good position, they've, they've booked him well. Um, I think I called Joe versus Sami Zayn even before they went to it on TV. You did. Um, you did. I saw that as being perfect, and, and it's, that's the way they're going. So Joe is someone they obviously feel high on. I'm so pleased for him. Um, I've been someone that's been saying for years he's never going to make the main roster he's just an NXT guy um, and that's not because I didn't think he was good enough but it's because I thought that's how they would view him man yeah. alive he surpassed expectations so what does he do at Wrestlemania? Well I you know, as we've talked about in this podcast and, and off air I've had I've gone back and forth on Joe I've, there's, there's so many different opponents that I've thought for him since we started talking Wrestlemania one that I mentioned is one that I think is becoming probably more into focus now especially if we assume that Rollins is going to make it and I think it's going to be Balor um, I think Finn Balor's we're probably going to, I think we could see his return as soon as Monday um, and you know he would be the guy that would would be able to stick up for you know you could see Joe maybe beating up on Zayn again on Raw you could see him going after the injured Rollins and Balor makes say there's a number of different ways of doing it that, that, in fact actually that would make quite a good one um, you know he gets cornered in the ring by Joe and Triple H and Balor makes a save also the, with Mania being in Orlando obviously that's the home base for NXT um, which we saw some wars between Finn Balor and Samoa Joe over the last 18 months specifically that um you know the, the the couple of matches, the couple of main events they had for takeovers and whatnot. I think it'd be a great spot for him to come back into. Um, harder to pick a winner because I would argue that they both really need the win. Uh, but I think that would be where I see Joe going for WrestleMania if everything else stays on track. I'm pretty anti that um, as an idea. Not that it won't happen, but I wouldn't want it to happen because um, you know we just talked about. I mean, I'm sure I'll have missed some. Point out if I've missed some, but. Um, Brock Goldberg, Roman Taker, Bray Orton, AJ Shane, Cena, Miz, and, and the girls, Owens and Jericho, Seth and Triple H. Um, you factor in whatever ma- it may happen with Bailey and Charlotte, and, and, and that whole issue. Presumably there'll be a, a women's title um, match as well from SmackDown. That's not even getting into the tag scenario, although I feel that they're going to be probably on, on pre-show stuff. Um, Corbin and uh, Ambrose. 
Um, all of these matches feel likely. I didn't even mention um, Show and Shaq in that one, but he feels like that might be that might be happening as well. Um, you know, that's a long, 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 long card. And to put Joe and <clears throat> excuse me, to put Joe and Balor on it, I think if you're going to bring back Finn, you know, you're talking, you're bringing back someone that the last time you saw them, they were the the Universal Champion. And I yeah. think now, I think you hold Finn back for whatever they do after. Brock and Gold, but assuming okay, I've said several times on this podcast that we are recording not long before Fastlane, literally a matter of hours, so we don't know what's happened. By the time you listen to this, we don't know what's happened in terms of the um, the Owens and Goldberg match. But I am figuring that it will be you know Goldberg winning the title and wrestling Brock for it at Mania. Um, if not, then it's probably going to be Owens and Jericho um, for that match. If it's Owens and Jericho, figuring Owens wins. Balor to come back and challenge Owens is a great story. If it's not, and it goes to Goldberg, and then it goes to Brock, um, they have to work out a way of getting it off Brock Lesnar and onto someone else. And I think Balor to come back and, and challenge Brock feels too much of a stretch. So I think it's about picking the right time to bring Finn back. Even if he's fit, I wouldn't bring him back to just chuck him in the middle. And I don't see that either him or Joe benefit, because the pair of them should be being built up for the best part of the next year. Not thrown against each other because someone's got to lose and I just feel that it would be better to keep them apart that, to me that's a that's Wrestlemania 34 you know that you literally could do that in a, you could work that out over a year or you could mm-hmm. do Finn he's, Finn is the kind of one where you can say we can do Finn versus AJ at SummerSlam and Finn versus um, you know Owens at um, Royal Rumble and versus Joe at Wrestlemania and plot that course because he's that good Finn Balor so I would hold him back what I would do with Joe is I'd have him win the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. And I know okay. that seems as if it's going to be a spot that's at the moment for Strowman. And I can see that. But they have gone so hard with Strowman. Uh, I'm, I'm not you know, completely against the idea that they might do Strowman and Roman Reigns versus Undertaker. And I know it's sacrilege to say a triple threat for an Undertaker match, but... I'm not totally against that and I'm not totally against they won't do it because they are building Strowman up as a genuine credible he might be tougher than Roman I still think that the, the chances are that Roman squeaks out a victory tonight at fast lane and it's about getting Roman ready for Taker but I don't know they've gone hard on Strowman I don't see putting him in a battle royal even if he wins it easy feels a little bit a little bit cheap I'm trying to work out where he can fit in I just don't have a, an opponent for him well, I, I can know what you mean, to be honest. And whilst I don't totally hate the idea of that triple threat, you do kind of, if you follow that through, you do kind of almost see Undertaker inserting himself in a Roman Reigns Braun Strowman feud. Um, and I don't that just doesn't sit too well. And like you say, what you know, where, the obvious finish is Taker wins, beats Roman Reigns. But do they want him going over Reigns? Do they want anyone going over Strowman? Does do they want Undertaker losing again at WrestleMania to either of these two guys? It just it just doesn't really work for me. Um, whereas the Battle Royal spot, it's all about you, it's all about you frame that Battle Royal, isn't it? You know, if it becomes the pre-show Battle Royal, um, full of the shining stars and you know whoever else, the Vaud villains or whoever else, then yep, it's a it's a waste of a spot. But if that battle royal has got a somewhat credible lineup of guys in it, and you could even go as far as to say, you know, you have a bunch of guys in now, and then bring a bunch of people back, you know, maybe stars from the past, um, 
just to make it something a bit different, you know. Like, you know, ra- obviously randomly last year they had Tonka in, which I'm not suggesting this time. I'm suggesting maybe he gets, like I say, somebody who's a, a bit more credible than that. Um, you know, like a Bully Ray, for instance, the Hardy Boys, for instance. Get those guys Stop, in. You're and just, just you're have... naming the Ring of, Ho- Ring of Honor roster. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you get what I'm saying. And... Um, and you position that battle royal as a big deal and then you have Strowman win it then it becomes a big deal um, that's the sort of match on the card where it's only as, it's only as important as its position on the card True. Um, and I think if, if, it's, if it is built up the win will be built up and I think that will do Strowman the world of good well they still say when Baron Corbin comes to the ring don't they they still say the winner of the honour of the giant battle royal exactly. they're trying to use it as a thing for Corbin a little bit like it won't have the same longevity, but the, like Jericho, they always just talk about him being the first undisputed champion. It's it's that yeah, exactly. sort of thing to hang on to to Corbin at the moment. They're going to have to stop doing that after um, after April the second, but um, maybe they have Corbin win it again. Although it doesn't feel much of a career progression just to keep winning the same thing. But you know, maybe they do. Maybe they put Corbin and Ambrose in that match and they cost one another again, and they can they can keep that going on to a future pay per view. Maybe that issue's not done and dusted to be a one-on-one at Mania. I still remain convinced that... No, not convinced, but I still have my suspicions that the projected plan was for Cena to win the title at Royal Rumble and for Undertaker to challenge Cena, and that got changed, because there was no good reason, other than Cena equaling the 16th title, to take the belt off of AJ, put it on Cena, and then immediately take it off Cena and put it on Bray. There was no good reason for that. Um... Cena's not a transitional champion you know if he wanted to simply get it onto Bray you could have just put him in a triple threat with AJ and someone else and had Bray win it you didn't have to go via Cena um, that was a strange thing to do I re- remain convinced that that's the reason why they had to get they wanted to get the belt onto Cena but once they put Cena in that rumble match they couldn't have him lose um, so they had to have him win and why would you have Undertaker in the rumble as a credible winner and then not feature him on TV for weeks afterwards um, I think the plan was to have Taker in the Rumble to win it, to have Cena to win the title, to go with Cena Undertaker, and for whatever reason that changed. And I still think they chucked in that moment with Reigns and Undertaker just so they could go back to it one day. It might be for Mania, that seems the most likely, but it might not. It might be that Reigns and Strowman can't get there. No one can get a win tonight, and then they end up going and doing that at Mania. Maybe Undertaker doesn't wrestle at Mania. It's not an absolute given. It, it seems highly likely, because why would you not capitalising surely in his last one or two but if he doesn't fit he doesn't fit I mean you know it's, I don't think it necessarily should be I still wouldn't rule out AJ Undertaker I still wouldn't rule out because you know Undertaker is linked to Shane so as much as people might want to think oh it's going to be AJ Shane what if AJ now goes on a terrorising spree over the next couple of weeks on Smackdown and Shane McMahon goes all um, Teddy Long on us and says, okay, if this is the way you're going to be, here's your <laughs> WrestleMania thing, you're wrestling Undertaker. And it could be that. And then that could be the way they go to AJ Taker. It wouldn't shock me. Do you know what? It wouldn't. Now you said that, it wouldn't shock me either. I'd absolutely love that. I think that's a really logical progression. And um, we've talked before about McMahon against Styles, Shane, Shane against Styles, which, and, and again, a match I don't hate. Far from it. Don't think it's the greatest use of Styles in ring, but I think it gives him a good rub, and presume, presumably he wins the match. Um, but the idea of having Undertaker in there defending SmackDown's honor, defending Shane's honor um, against Styles is is pretty intriguing. Um, 
one thing I will pick you up on, and it's more to play devil's advocate than anything else, is about that Cena title win. And I've I was I thought the same as you. Why did they have Cena coming with that two week reign? My theory on that is I think in the you know in the post WrestleMania season, maybe the SummerSlam season, we're going to get a big story about him breaking the record. Can he break the record before he retires? To get to that story, they needed to notch up another reign before that. And this maybe seemed a good opportunity and a good point to get that that reign in just to equal the records, and then they can make a big deal about him breaking it in the next six or nine months that's possible that wouldn't shock me at all that's a fair shout um, I just it just felt done with such a strange amount of hoopla it was um, I don't know I just I wasn't convinced and the whole thing of him losing to um, to Bray you know very shortly afterwards I, I don't know it just, I just got scratched my head we'll probably never know and it doesn't matter that we don't know it's all it's all fun to speculate and I will say that um, I have seen a few things that have been made I haven't seen Smackdown yet we're going to talk about Smackdown in a minute and you're going to talk about it because I haven't seen the show um, but I am of the understanding that Cena made a, a comment about Taker. Is that right? That Cena in the ring said something about he, he could have been facing Undertaker, but he's facing Miz instead, or something like that. Correct. If, if he did, I'm almost Cena knows exactly what people are talking about all the time. He's very, very clever at making that sort of comment. So people go, oh, he's, really, he's really annoyed, he's really angry. And it's like, it almost certainly is Cena playing into what the speculation is. So I would read nothing into that. But it is interesting that he did say it. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're dead right. I think more than most, Cena um, has can feel the pulse of wrestling fans and a wrestling audience, and and can tap into that for for a good response or a bad response, you know, depending on what he wants. Like you know, not long after the sort of Royal Rumble and the New Japan show in January, he was tweeting out pictures of Kenny Omega. Um, he wasn't coming to WWE. Cena just wanted that reaction, and he got it, and it was fantastic. And I think this is similar. Um, and it, the, the the Miz Cena promo was phenomenal. I really really enjoyed it. You know, like there obviously I've heard a lot of talk about how Cena absolutely buried Miz, and that, to me that's the idea. He totally and utterly buried Miz, and and Miz did the same to Cena. They just got ultra personal, and they brought up that brought up stuff that both of these guys have probably been thinking to one degree or another over the last few years, and just turn that volume up to 11 as, as they like to say in wrestling and I think it turned that match into something that I actually want to see you know a mixed tag team match featuring Nikki Bella and Maurice certainly was not on my agenda for a Cena match for Wrestlemania at all and when it sort of became obvious that it was happening I just had no no real interest in it but now after that promo and the little bit of building they've done in the last few weeks they've done a great job and and to me, I think that that can become an ultra-personal match. And, and it just speaks volumes for the booking of SmackDown. And ever since the draft, they've been able to turn, you know, everything. Everything on SmackDown is meaningful. Every character has a place and everything seems logical. Um, and this is another example of that. They, they can take a match that you probably don't have much interest in within a couple of weeks, really build it up. And there's been a few examples of that. Um since the brand split started of Smackdown really going out of the way to to make these matches and Cena um, Miz and their respective partners is 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 the, ne- the next one for that and to me I'm all on board for that for Wrestlemania now and then we can say the same about the main event listen Cena doesn't work with someone that Cena doesn't want to work with um, he's correct earned, he's earned that position and he deserves it um, if he didn't want to be working this match 
um, with his uh, common law wife and against someone like me, then he wouldn't be doing it and he would be arresting someone he wanted to. Um, so I believe that any of those comments that were made, like I say, I haven't seen it yet, but um, it would have all been in the game. The pair of them, I'm sure, knew exactly what they were doing. They are playing into people's um, expectations. Uh, I think it may have been Raven that coined the term about um, the people that think they know the most are the ones that are most easily fooled or, the, or something like that. Um, and uh, that is not to say that um, the game should be just fooling people all the time, but I do think the, the ones that want to jump onto these sorts of comments uh, are often the ones that think they know a great deal. And Cena is uh, an excellent puppeteer in a really nice way, and I do mean that as a compliment because uh, I the utmost respect for John Cena. Um, finally, on the developments in terms of how things may go towards WrestleMania, um, you have seen the um, shenanigans on SmackDown this week. Um, once again, uh, quick spoiler alert. Although we, you know you are listening to this lots of days after um, SmackDown, so I shouldn't be telling you anything you don't know. Uh, this is the week where finally Orton betrayed Bray uh, and left him uh, a bit of a shell at the end of Smackdown um, did it work for you I haven't seen it yet so I don't want to cast any judgement um, did it work for me uh, in a word uh, no and I'm contradicting myself on words? what I'm saying <laughs> I'm going, get, let me get there let me get there um, I'm contradicting myself a little bit with the booking um, and I'm praising the booking for Smackdown this was a rare misstep now um, I like the direction and I've liked where they've gone for it so far with um, with Orton backing out of his title shot um, with the, the double finish in the Battle Royal leading to Harper against Styles and then Styles going over um, to seemingly become number one contender up to that point I've really enjoyed it logical, entertaining kept things strung out without, you know, without, without rushing into anything but also without dragging it out I thought it was really well paced and then we knew that the Orton turn had to come quite soon. We'd seen the subtle tease the week before of Orton eyeing up the bell. And obviously that was a starting point, a good starting point. The next, the turn, the turn itself was, was the major moment for me. And for starters, why they didn't do it with these two guys in the same ring getting physical baffles me. But to do it in the hokey fashion that they did with Orton burning down Wyatt's family compound and the, the resting place of Sister Abigail I just I, it just seems such a random way of getting there you know at the very least if you're going to do that you end it with Orton telling Bray that he's here and then Bray turns around into Orton being in the ring with him in an RKO you've got to put an exclamation point on it this just seemed an odd segment that that kind of left me in doubt as to who the babyface and who the heel is you know on one count Orton's playing Wyatt his own mind games and turning the turning the cult leader into the psychological mess but on the other hand he is just completely unprovoked and completely um, again behind Bray's back just burned to the ground his sister's burial place not very face like actions if you ask me um so yeah like I think ultimately the destination I've got to is the right one and I expect it to get better going forward but that one moment just was very odd and very disappointing uh, first of all I think this is episode 11 of Hooked on Wrestling uh, the Hooked on podcast um, it's the second time I've had to give you a warning with an exclamation point rather than an exclamation mark don't let it happen again <laughs> um, secondly uh, I fully agree with you on the who's the heel front that's the thing that I read. Having not seen it, I read the 
results and thought, is this a Bray babyface turn? Are we meant to be feeling sorry for Bray? Because it's a pretty, whoever you are, it's a, because he's not that much of, well, I'm going to have to say the word, but he's not that much of a bastard, is he, Bray? Does he, does he do that? No. Do things that are that horrible? Um, as a cult leader, I get the idea that the cult leader is not really going to be the babyface character, but you know, in the last year or so, has he done all that many horrible, dastardly things that the Wyatt family used to do and beat people up? I'm not certain that they have. Um, nope. Not not to the extent where you feel, I really, really hope that guy's dead sister's grave is defaced or burned down or whatever it is. Um, it just strikes me as overwriting, and it's not the first time it's happened to... Here's the thing with Randy. Randy's a really good wrestler. Um, and there's certain things that he does not portray well that people don't warm to, i.e. his range of expressions, um, never thought he was the best promo, but I think Randy Orton's an excellent wrestler, and a certain part of the audience really react to him all the time. He has the best finisher in wrestling over the, since the Stone Cold Stunner. Um, it is just so easy to do, um, so easy to take by the look of things. I'm never going to start getting into you know, what wrestlers can and can't do, because I've never taken a bump in my life, but it looks dead straightforward, it looks like it hurts, um, and it looks like it's safe. And so it's, it's such a great move and all those kind of things that every, all of Orton's strengths to me lie in the ring. And this is not the first time they've done a WrestleMania build with the over-the-top nonsense. Remember him diving through the window at Triple H's... Sorry, that was the other yeah, way around. That was, that, was, that was the other way around, wasn't it? That was, tri- was that Triple H coming through his window or whatever because he'd done the DDT on Steph and... Oh, God, it was just so overwritten and overacted, by the way, by his stand-in wife on that occasion. But it was just so hokey. And you used to, you know, I think you used that word just a minute ago to describe this one. And once again, not seen it, but I feel sorry for him because just let him wrestle. And I'm sure that had you had him, Orton, for, uh, being forced to do things by Bray, attack this guy, do my bidding, I'm the man, not you, belittle, belittle, belittle. And then at some point he smiles, turns, RKO. Thanks very much. It's the, it's the Batista one, isn't it? It's the Batista turning on Triple H. You want it, you want it, you want it, and then finally it gets given to you. Thumbs down, bang. And exactly. I, I'm so disappointed they didn't do that. And like I said, the reason I brought up his finisher is that is there a better move to be able to just turn on someone, quote unquote, out of nowhere, than with an RKO? And I think that's the, to me, what feels like the missed opportunity. But I will say this: one week and one week only, four weeks out from WrestleMania, they do have time to salvage. Oh, absolutely, and I'm confident they will. Um, they don't get much wrong on SmackDown, and I and like I've mentioned on previous episodes of the podcast, you just know, or, or you certainly feel like they have got a plan for this WrestleMania. Every match is planned out, and they know how they want to get there. And I think that's going to help immeasurably with the quality of the build and the anticipation for the card as we get towards Mania. I'm not going to say every because I said something only ten minutes ago or so that I think there's some that they're still working towards but yeah I think most I think I agree with you on, uh, on the on the broader front uh, yeah as far as that one goes um, like I say we're skirting fast lane because we um, we don't know the uh, the ins and outs so we will probably have a chat I imagine on the next podcast um, about what we made of the fast lane pay-per-view and what that does in terms of taking us forward to Wrestlemania but in closing in this little segment um, are you more or less excited or about the same for Wrestlemania than the last time I spoke to you 10 or so days ago I would say I'm more um, for a couple of reasons uh, first of all the aforementioned Cena Miz angle which I think has really heightened my anticipation there I am looking forward to Shane and AJ Styles and that's looking more likely um, 
and just generally the excitement levels tend to build as you're getting more towards mania anyway don't they mm-hmm. um, and I just feel like there's, there's been no missteps in terms of where I want to see guys placed on the card in the last couple of weeks there's been no disappointments like again the, the the air that got sucked out of my anticipation last year when it became clear that it was going to be Undertaker against Shane in Hell in a Cell I can't tell you how deflated that made me um, and there's been nothing like that it's completely the opposite everything's going into place as has been rumoured but in an, in a good way so I'm, I'm, my interest levels are rising slowly I would say we are now getting closer and closer to WrestleMania taking place on April the 2nd not only um, in Florida live but also around the UK with Hooked on Wrestling in eight different venues that we've already talked about so go to ringsideworld.co.uk to book your tickets for wherever we are all over the country we would love to have you with us uh, and we would love to have you with us again here on the Hooked on Podcast we will be back each week um, before Wrestlemania we're a little bit late this week which means we'll be a little bit late next week but we will make it up to you do not worry at least uh, three or four podcasts still to come before Wrestlemania uh, and we're still working on some what we hope will be uh, some great guests and a nice variation of guests indeed um, before we get to Mania. Some of our hosts and some other people that we uh, would like to come on and talk to you um, regarding Mania itself. And indeed, we're even building up a little portfolio for afterwards. We have uh, a great many people that we know um, that are part of the uh, the Howe team, the Howe family, and other people that we know that are off to WrestleMania. Um, if you listen to last week's episode with uh, Jay and Kat, who of course are getting married out at uh, the WrestleMania event, there's a few people that are going to that uh, who I'm sure we'd like to speak to afterwards. So it's worth pointing out that this was uh, a little experimental podcast building up to the Rumble, which we thought we would carry on until WrestleMania. Here's me now talking about post-WrestleMania guests. So basically the uh, the situation is we are we are with you indefinitely. It doesn't mean we are definitely going to be every week all the way through until SummerSlam, but I think, uh, I think we can probably say, Paul, that we are going to maintain a presence for most of the year. Does that sound fair? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've I've enjoyed it. I know you have as well from our previous discussions. So I think as long as we can maintain the quality and maintain the interest, we're we're up for it as long as you guys are. Excellent stuff. So spread the word, tell your friends, tweet it, Facebook it, do what you need to do. Um, but here on the Hooked On podcast, we are enjoying um, putting our opinions about WrestleMania, so sending. Um, some thoughts from some of our guests as well to you and also building the anticipation for not only the big night uh, on pay-per-view on the WWE Network in person in Florida but also at all of our hooked on wrestling venues Uh, I've been Robert Nickel with my friend Paul Benson and we will speak to you next time on the Hooked On Podcast and remember it's wrestling enjoy it see you soon